Thank you, Sandy. Uh, if you uh, would, go ahead and open your Bibles or Bible apps. We're going to continue in Ephesians chapter 5 here this morning. We continue our In Christ series. And uh, by my estimations, we have about uh, three weeks left in it. And we will be all, all through. Special thanks to Kevin and uh, everybody who filled in last week as uh, we were out of town. Uh, so far in, uh, in Ephesians, we have been instructed, just uh, the last time we were here, to walk in love, walk in light, and walk in wisdom. And we've seen that is a call to be like Christ as we continue to, to put one foot in, in front of the other in the right direction toward the things of God, going deeper in our faith. Walking in love is a call to put others first. It's a call to, to, to holiness, to not blending in with the world around us, in the world, but not of the world, as has been said before. And we see plenty of examples every day of people walking in lust rather than love. But as God's people, we are called out of that into obedience, contentment, and Thankfulness. So walk in love and walk in light. Light exposes darkness. Light is offensive to darkness. But when we allow the light of Christ to expose the darkest parts of our lives, there is nothing more freeing. We often try to hide things from God, don't we? We may not say it out loud, but, but by our actions and our, and our thoughts, we say, God, listen, you, you can have all these other areas of my life, but, but this one area, it's off limits. I want to keep this in the dark. You're not welcome here. I don't need your imposition. And, and don't we know how foolish that is? And God already knows. He's not blind to what's going on, even the stuff that nobody else knows about. He knows about it, he sees it, and he loves you anyway. And he is offering his light to shine and expose the footholds that Satan has in our lives that are intended to steal and kill and destroy. In God's grace, he offers the most freeing forgiveness to each one of us. He offers the life of, of holiness. He calls us to surrender the darkness and shine his light as we walk through life. Are there any areas in your life that you need to point the, the light of Jesus directly on? Relationships, career, emotions, thoughts, habits. It could be different for each one of us, but we must re routinely allow the light of God's word to shine in our hearts and habits. So walk in love, walk in light, and walk in wisdom. It means to be aware, to be intentional. See, we don't just do the will of God by accident. Uh, you, you don't find yourself this far down the road of faith by accident. You don't find yourself uh, this far behind on the road of faith by accident. We have to be intentional. On Tuesday, June 6, 1944, at about 6.30 in the morning, 5,000 ships with 175,000 Allied troops approached the beach in Normandy, France for what would be the biggest invasion in modern history. It's now known as D-Day. Now, think about that. They're approaching a beach, these soldiers were. but They knew this was no vacation. This was war. 
See, one of the best things about a, a beach vacation is not having an agenda, not having a plan. Just go with the flow, however the breeze takes you. But that's one of the worst things that we can do spiritually. We have to have a plan. We have to have a goal. We have to be wise and intentional about growing in our faith because the enemy that we face, he is a formidable foe even though he is not all-powerful. He is wise. He, he knows certain things. He knows how to get us off track. He knows our weakness, but he is not all-knowing. Chapter 5 here. It describes the world that we live in. Notice uh, verse 10, it's it's described as as dark. In in verse 14, it's described as a grave. And in verse 16, it it is evil. So this is the world we live in. Dark, an evil grave. This is where we were before we knew Christ. So something that we have to remember, this is not a beach vacation. The first blank on your outline. This is not a beach vacation. It's war. It is an uphill battle. You cannot coast uphill. If you're coasting on a hill, you're going backwards. You're going down. And a lot of Christians don't even realize it. And the result is people with shallow faith that look no different from the world around us who will fall for anything and put a terrible and false picture of Jesus and the gospel to the community. None of us want that. So we must be intentional to walk in love, walk in light, walk in wisdom, to remain in Christ through the working of the Holy Spirit. So in today's passage, we get more specific with our walks. And we're looking into our homes. Uh, Actually, on into chapter 6, God will address family and work as well. See, our common bond in Christ brings unity to the church, but it also brings uh, unity to other areas of our mar- like our marriages and family and workplace. And so even if you don't have the common bond of Christ, of being in Christ with your spouse, being in Christ affects the way you react towards others. The next blank on your outline, these next couple chapters, they show us that God uses normal things to teach us about him about his ways his glory and put his character on display so if you're able to stand out of respect for the word of god please do so as we read ephesians 5 22 through 33 hear the word of the lord wives submit to your own husbands as to the lord For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church, and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. 
Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Thank you. You can have a seat. So I, uh, I tell couples, every couple that I meet with to do their wedding, that, that a marriage is supposed to be a picture of the gospel. In that, it tells the good news of what Jesus has done for us to save us from our sins. It's been compared to, uh, a marriage has been compared to the rays of, a, of the sun. We, we soak up the rays of the sun But it's easy to forget where those rays come from. The rays point back to the sun who is the source. Just like our marriages should point back to God, Jesus, who is the source. And so the next blank on your outline, we should enjoy our marriages. We should enjoy our marriages. Um, We should should enjoy being together as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Jessica should be my best friend. There is really no one else that I would rather spend more time with. I am so thankful for the 20 now plus years that the Lord has blessed us with. But if all we ever focus on is, is what's in it for us, and we forget the one who has given us these blessings, then we, we miss the point. Our marriage should tell the gospel and point others to Jesus. Now, If you don't enjoy your marriage, I am not advocating walking away from it. What I am advocating is that you start working on your part and how you can do better to point your marriage to Jesus. In these verses, we see what we have seen in other passages before. It's not a popular passage that we've read here today. But the truth is that God has given men and women different roles. And that doesn't mean that one is better or more important than the other. It just means he has a plan and structure for the home. That's the next blank on your outline. God has a plan and structure for the home. Uh, Being a male does not gain me more favor with God. Being female does not gain more wrath from God. We are all separated from him because of our sinful nature. We all need Jesus to forgive us all our sins. But God has a plan and structure for our home and marriages that they would be a picture of the gospel in his image. So wives submit to your husbands. There is a verse you probably won't find on a plaque on a painting in Hobby Lobby. Um, You know, submission has earned uh, a negative reputation over the years because um, submission is completely against what our flesh, remember the the residue of the old us, wants to do. The definition of submit is this, to, to accept or yield to a superior force or to the authority or will of another person. So to accept or yield to a superior force or to the authority or will of another person person now last time um, w- when we when we talked about walking in wisdom we, we looked at James 3 where the subject of godly wisdom versus worldly wisdom is spoken of and we read James 3:17 and it says this the wisdom that is from above is first pure then peaceable gentle and notice willing to yield full of mercy good fruits without partiality without hypocrisy willing to to yield. It means uh, 
to be compliant, willing to be compliant. It means, you know what, I have my opinions and I have my desires, but I'm going to yield to yours. When we yield to someone, think when we're driving, we, we let them go first and then we follow in behind them. And, and guys, uh, before we make uh, Ephesians 5.22 our life verse, don't forget verse 21. Because this, is, this submission is not just for, for wives. Ephesians 5.21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So this is in the section of walking in wisdom. So much like James 3.17, if we are going to walk in godly wisdom rather than worldly wisdom, we will all be willing to yield. So a couple of things that submission is not. It is not inferiority. Submission is not inferiority. We know that because Jesus submitted. Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and becoming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So this is, this is Jesus, the one and only Son of God. He was God in the flesh, the second person in the Trinity, equal with God. Yet he submitted to the Father. He submitted to his murderers because it was all within God's design, and he knew that God's design is good. So, If God's design is good, and he has designed that that men and women have different roles, and he has designed the structure of our marriages and homes, then when he calls us to submit, we can trust it's good. See, submission is not inferiority. Submission is not dominance either. It's not dominance Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also has loved the church and gave himself for her. Verse 25 there. So guys, the the stakes are are high. There's a high responsibility here for us as husbands. See, God does not call our wives to be a doormat. God does not say that I am always right in my decisions no matter what as I try to lead my home. This is not a free pass to do whatever I want to do and then expect God's stamp of approval. This is a call for us to be in Christ and to be like Christ. So we've already seen that our marriages are a picture of the gospel, a picture of what Jesus has done for his people, the church. So what, what, has, he, what has he done? What does he continue to do? For the church that husbands are called to do for our wives. Well, first, I believe uh, we're called to provide for her. Provide for her. Through, Jesus, Jesus did it through his life-giving sacrifice, but we're called to provide as well. So we have to understand, Jesus gives hope and peace and comfort. He never fails on his promises. His sacrifice gives joy and strength in the Holy Spirit. We would have nothing without the things that Jesus provides. As husbands, we should not be the ones that our wives look to for these things that only Jesus gives. But in Genesis 2.15, God put Adam in the garden to work and tend it. 
And this was before the fall. Work didn't come after the fall. It just got harder after the fall. And so if we have any young ladies with us uh, this morning, as you get older and you start seriously looking for a future spouse, if a guy is not willing to work and only wants to play video games and consume what his parents hand out, uh, you can do better than that. You're worth more than that. You need to kick him to the curb. And young men, if you're not willing to work and you only want to play video games and, and give what your parents hand out, you're called to a higher standard than that. You're called to more than that. God does not support laziness. As guys, we are, we are called to sacrificially provide for our families. And when we do, we are being God's image bearers. A picture of how Jesus, a small picture of how Jesus provides for his church. These provisions are not just physical, but they're also spiritual. So a couple of different ways. Physically and spiritually. Uh, verse 25 again. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also has loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. <clears throat> now notice that word sanctify there. It means to, to dedicate to God, to purify. And notice who is doing the sanctification. It's not husbands, it's Jesus. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her. And so it's, it's not that we have the power to sanctify our wives, but when we love them sacrificially, like Jesus loved the church sacrificially, then we are being examples of Jesus to our wives and we are pointing back to the source that gives these blessings. And again, we are being God's image bearers and painting a correct picture of the gospel. Pointing back to the source, just like the rays of the sun point back to its source. God's desire is to use normal things in our lives to teach us about Him and to put His character on display. Verse 28, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So, don't forget, we are all called to submit to one another, to yield to each other. It doesn't mean inferiority or dominance. And in the home, we submit in different ways. The wife is called to submit to her own husband, not to someone else's husband, but to her own. Uh, just because one couple does things a certain way, it doesn't mean that you're supposed to. There is some grace with God's instructions. And personalities, I, I, we've seen it all the time, personalities play into this. But as long as you stand on the truth of the word and you never go away from it, if you seek his will for your marriage, he will show you. Now, that being said, it's probably possible that some have been operating outside of God's guidelines. What's he saying to your heart here this morning? 
When you as a husband are called to love your wife, what does that mean to you? When you as a wife are called to respect your husband, what does that mean to you? It's interesting, that word for respect there is where we derive our word phobia from. And it's the same word referring to the fear of God. Now, if we're honest, there are some who, are, who have a, a phobia of respecting how your husbands lead. It's just a, a reality. That, that phrase, fearing God, it can, it can be a, a, a confusing phrase until we recognize that it just means having a healthy respect for who God is, for who we are in light of who God is. And so, if for no other reason, wives, you can respect your husband because he is called by God to lead your family. Now, the Lord knows we don't always do the best job. But the Lord has given us a great responsibility to be a picture of Jesus to you, that the one he gave us as wives. He has brought this union together. He has brought this team together to move forward and fight the darkness together. I think sometimes, many times, couples forget that we are in this together. It's the last blank on your outline. We are in this together. Dr. Emerson, Emerson Egrich calls it the crazy cycle when husbands don't love like they should, and so then uh, wives don't respect like they should. So then husbands don't love like they should, so then wives don't respect like they should. And, and just over and over and over again, it's at some point, someone has to say, you know what, enough is enough. I cannot be responsible for someone else, but I will choose to do what God has called me to do as my role in this marriage. A marriage where we are called to submit in different ways. Husbands, we're called to love sacrificially. We're called to be a living sacrifice in Romans 12. And a living sacrifice chooses to stay on the altar because that's where God wants us to be. The responsibility is high and the calling is great. To be an image bearer of God that we were created to be. To love this woman that God has given us as a gift. He has brought this union together. He has brought this team together to move forward and fight darkness together. And so many times we just forget we are in this together. And so as we begin to close on both parts, through the grace of God, We choose to overlook flaws because we know without a doubt that God has done the same for us. He has loved us despite our flaws. His sacrifice, he readily offers it despite our flaws. Some of us need to let grace back into our marriages. See, because we are in Christ, not only does that bring unity to the church, but also to our homes. And so I'll close with a question. I mean, this is obviously beyond what we are capable of doing on our own strength. And that's why we must remain in Christ. But here's my question for you. If you base your spiritual life on how well you're doing in your marriage, 
how well are you doing? If you just took a snapshot of how, how well you're doing in your marriage and, and, and you just judge your spiritual life by, by that, how well are you doing? That's kind of a, that's kind of a sucker punch, I know, to end with. But, but really, it's, it's a good question. I'm going to ask the same thing about our, our work lives and our homes uh, next, next week. But if we were to judge our spiritual lives by how our marriages reflect the gospel of Jesus, how are we doing? As we go into a time of invitation, would you just bow your head and close your eyes? <clears throat> what, what has the word of God said to you this morning? Perhaps uh, you, you've realized today that you've, just, you've been going through this spiritual life like it's a beach vacation when really it's a war. And there's no wonder why, man, you're just defeated. We're going to see in chapter 6 the, the armor of God. We have to fight spiritual battles with, with spiritual weapons. And maybe you haven't been doing that. Maybe you need to commit getting in the Word to praying, to connecting your heart with God's more often because we have to be intentional we have to walk in wisdom <clears throat> but maybe for you uh, you need to let grace back into your marriage and you need to overlook some flaws you need to forgive you need to choose to do your part even though it's not always easy we realize we cannot do this on our own so as you as you just allow God to work in your heart Just lift up a prayer of praise, a prayer of, <clears throat> of need. So that you'll be able to, to move forward how God wants you to move forward. <clears throat> Lord, it's, uh, it's good to be here. And, and this is a difficult passage, but it's still your word. <clears throat> and it's still precious. It's still rich. It's still deep. And Lord, I know as I look around this room, some of us have been married for decades. Help us to always be learning. Help us to always be uh, finding new ways to point, how, for, for our marriages to point to you. <clears throat> Lord, if there are any here who just need to let grace back in, I pray that you would give them the grace to do that. Lord, if there are any who, who need to just make a commitment to work out spiritually so that they can grow their faith. Help them to do that. Lord, we thank you for this church family. We thank you for what you are doing. We thank you for the freedom that we can come and, and sing praises to you and, and, and talk about your word and stand on the truth. God, may we, may we take what we, what we learn, what you teach us through your word to wherever we go, our careers, our families. Help us to live for you, Lord. It's in the awesome and wonderful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.